0: Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at org. All right, without further ado, I wanna introduce um, our, uh, our speaker this morning, uh, bringing us uh, a teaching as we continue our series, uh, Christ Our King. My good friend Omar Neobles, why don't you come up here? Everyone give Omar a big hand. And I just want to introduce a little bit of context for Omar here so you guys know. Uh, Omar was actually on staff with the Plant Church back in the day. He's what we call like OG. Oh, gee. He, he, he was with the plant when it first started back in, what was that, 2008? 2008. September 2008. 2008. And then when uh, the plant got this building and began to... Do the groundwork to start a second campus here. Omar, you spent like a year up here, yeah. right? Yeah. Just meeting with people, connections and stuff. And that's like right before I came on staff to, to help start this location. So he's got history here, he's got some West Milford Roots, even though you're not from West Milford. We'll say it's West Milford Roots. Sure, sure. Um, right. but everyone give him a huge welcome as he gives us the word this morning.
1: <laughs> good morning, good morning. How are we doing? Seven of you are great. That's wonderful. This is great. Uh, love the energy. Um, I was telling Pastor Andrew before, I said, man, the last time that I was here, I was like connecting wires and the sound and the TV, that, this wasn't all up, right? And so I'm connecting wires, and I call Pastor Rob up, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm done. I, this, that's it. It's, it's a hodgepodge mess up there, but I don't think any fires will be caused with any of the wires that I was crossing, Good luck, you know, like, and off we went. But um, it is good to be back uh, here. It is good to man see people like in a room. Praise God, you know, for what He's doing here in this place, right? And I remember when it was like maybe nine of us hanging out here <laughs> on a Sunday morning. So it's exciting to see what God has been up to. So let me pray for us, and uh, we we're gonna dive in. Father, thanks for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that you've given to us uh, to be here, to worship you, God, to to take time, Lord, from our schedules and say, you know what? Uh, Let's see what God has for me today. Uh, Lord, we wanna stop and take time and say, you know what? Uh, He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he deserves our worship uh, he is worthy of me rolling out of bed after a busy Saturday uh, for me to come and gather with the rest of the church and worship him. So God, would you bless us today? Would you meet us, Lord, in only the ways that you know how? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Has, <clears throat> have you ever been in a situation where you had sympathy for someone else's need and yet you lack the power to do anything about it. I remember when I was an assistant manager at the vitamin shop, and it was a bright and early Saturday morning. I was there with two other sales associates. Hi, you going to hang out up here? You going to come preach? Come on. (laughs) Um, I was there with two other sales associates, and it was Saturday morning, and and every Saturday morning, We needed to get change that would last us the weekend because the banks around us on Sundays would be closed. And so I asked one sales associate, hey Sly, could you do me a favor? Could you go ahead and get some change for us for the weekend? All right, all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Lauren, would you go ahead and get change for us for the weekend? Yes, no problem. So I put cash in an envelope, I hand it to her. She exits, at the store that I was at, you can, enter and exit from both sides of the building. And so she goes this way, I go this way. Moments later, she comes back in and says, hey, Omar, you forgot to give me a bank bag. You don't need a bank bag, but sure, no problem. So I go behind the cash register, I get down, I give her a bank bag, she exits behind the cash register this way, I exit behind the cash register this way, and in a matter of moments, all I hear is the shrieking sound of a scream. And I don't know what's happening, because I haven't turned around that quickly, but immediately... You know when you hear something like that, your soul drops, right? You've, you've been there, right? A kid screams maybe, grandchild, friend, top of their lungs and like, what is happening? We look and her car is backing up slowly, ever so slowly, onto Route 22 down in Plainfield. Kid you not, my friends, this is stuff that you can't like, you can, I can't make this up, right? This, this, I can't make this up. Immediately, I'm out on a sprint, Slides over here in some corners saying, like, what's happening? What's-? I'm like, dude, we're, we're sprinting out to the car. Coca-Cola truck comes by, slams its brakes on. Every other car that's on the highway slams its brakes on. This car continues to roll smoothly over Route 22. So I'm like, quick, we got to get in the car. We can't. Why not? Because the keys are inside. I know the keys are inside. I locked the door. I come to a stop and I'm walking now across Route 22 because there is absolutely nothing I can do. All of the sympathy in the world and yet completely powerless to do anything in that situation. Would you believe that this car gets across Route 22 and kind of crunches up the side of the Subaru dealership and comes to a halt? Subaru dealership's nice enough to not file a claim. They're nice enough to cut a key for us so she can get in her car and park it where it should properly be. I don't remember if we got changed that day. I'm not going to lie to you, but um, yeah, all the sympathy in the world, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. What about what about the flip scenario? Have you ever been in a situation where you've had the power to do something about someone else's need, and yet you lacked the sympathy to do it? Christopher Ciarci on May sixteenth, nineteen ninety-eight. He was playing basketball with his friends, but he was accidentally hit in the chest by a stray gunshot. Now, this boy, right, boy, is helped uh, by his friends. He's brought over to Ravenswood Hospital. I believe that's outside Chicago. They have him outside the hospital, and the hospital staff will not come to tend to this boy. You see, the hospital staff has a policy in place. Their policy is we cannot, we will not help anybody that is on the outside of our hospital. We will not come and attend to anybody that has any kind of need on the outside of our hospital walls, even while these people are pleading that their friend has been hit hit by a gunshot. Finally, a cop comes along, puts the the boy in the wheelchair, wheels him in. He gets medical attention, but an hour later, this 15-year-old boy passes away. The law that kind of spoke to this hospital policy, thankfully, has been rescinded since that time. Now, here's the thing. You hear a story like that, and and, and you you can gasp. I hope hope you can kind of gasp, right? You gasp. You're left thinking, man, like, what is wrong with our world, right? Right? What's wrong with the world that we live in? This is 1998, right? Some of you might think, like, it's worse, Omar. It's worse than what it was back in 1998. But the reality is, friends, how many times in our lives do you and I pass people all the time who are in a place of need? We have all the power to help them, and yet we keep going right on by. You and me both. I mean, it happened to me last week, right? How many times have we driven past someone, they have a flat tire, you can maybe help out with the flat tire, but you're like, oh, they got AAA. Do you know they have AAA? Nah, but they, who doesn't have AAA, right? How many times have you seen someone maybe trying to struggle to get something into their car or out of their car, and you're, all of, you you see the need, you have all the power to stop, be like, I got to get to this thing. I'm late. I can't stop and help, Right? Oh, oh, I, I, I don't want to put them in an awkward position. How awkward would it be, right, for a car to kind of slowly pull up behind someone else and say, do you need any help, right? They're going to think something bad. No, I don't want, I don't want to put someone in an uncomfortable situation. Hey, you and I have both been there, right? These conversations happen quickly in our minds and in our hearts, and we just keep going on by, right? What is it about humanity that lacks sympathy, kindness, the care of someone else in their place of need. Friends, what we lack is compassion. When you think of the word compassion, it might feel and seem all warm and fuzzy inside, right? Like compassion, sympathy, Omar, right? Kindness, the care of another person, but that's actually not the biblical definition for compassion. The word compassion comes from the Latin word compati, Maybe that's how you say it. We're going to go with it, though, right? Compati. It means, it's a, it's a little bit better, it's a little bit closer, still not there. Kampati means um, to, to share in another person's suffering, to share in another person's heartbreak. In other words, their suffering becomes my suffering. Their heartbreak becomes my heartbreak, but we're still not, it's better but we're still not just there as it deals with compassion. What is it about humanity that keeps sympathy, kindness, caring, having compassion for someone? What is it about us that sometimes it seems like our compassion is locked in a box? Have you been there with me before? I know I've been there. But friends, we have good news. See, there is good news. When the compassion of Jesus Christ flows through our veins, his power, his power becomes tangible to those in need. I'm going to say it again. When the compassion of Jesus Christ flows through our veins, his power becomes tangible to those in need. Now, how do I know this to be true? The reason I know this to be true is because when the compassion of Jesus Christ flows through the veins of someone else, His power is made tangible in your place of need and my place of need. Can I get an amen for that? How how many times have you been to a place of desperation? How many times have you been to a place of of breaking point perhaps, right? You you have a need, right? There's an emptiness. You're you're desperate. You need God to show up. I mean, we just talked about it. You just rattled off a a bunch of uh, illustrations for that, right? And we need God's power to show up, and it comes in the most unexpected ways, right? For, for my wife Carrie and I, we've loved how the plant family has blessed us. I don't know if you guys you know, got the email, but in a matter of months, both her dad and my dad, you know, passed away, and um, the plant like showed up. You know, we were like blessed. People sent us gift cards, people sent us stuff to places like I'm like. I don't even know where this place is, but thank you, right? The compassion, right, of Jesus was flowing through the veins of someone else, and it was meeting us in our place of need. It was so good to be like, hey, let's not worry about dinner tonight. Let's just use one of those gift cards. Let's not fret and worry about what needs to be made. Let's just make life easy tonight. We'll use a gift card, right? And it was a blessing in our time of need. When the compassion of Jesus flows through our veins, his power becomes tangible to those in need. The the question then is, how then does compassion flow? Through my veins. How does it flow through my veins? And and, and how does that actually benefit the people and the world around me? So glad you asked, because that's where we're going next. That's such great questions, you know? If you have your Bible, you want to open up to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to pick this up in verse 27. Verse 27. It's gonna be on the screen too, but if you'd like to hold your Bible. <clears throat> Matthew is making it known in the last two chapters who he believes, Let am gonna give you some context. Matthew believes uh, Jesus Christ to be. If you know anything about Matthew, you know that the book is written predominantly speaking to a Jewish audience. And so Matthew is making it clear to his readers, hey, we don't want you to miss this, okay? Jesus has been doing a lot of teaching up until we get to Matthew chapter eight where the pace begins to pick up. Because in Matthew 8 and 9, Jesus heals leprosy. He heals paraplegics. He uh, engages people who are oppressed with demonic spirits, heals them. Um, He's even raised a girl from the dead. He's Some woman who's been bleeding out for 12 years, she receives healing in Jesus Christ. And Matthew is making it known, hey, You've never seen anything like this before. And so on the heels of this girl being raised from the dead, this is where we pick it up in verse 27. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying. And Jesus asked them, do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened and they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. But instead, they went out and spread his fame all over the region. When they left, a demon possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. So Jesus cast out the demon and then the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. But the Pharisees said, he can cast out demons because he's empowered by the prince of demons. Ignore that guy. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, "The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his field." Two blind men were in the proximity of where Jesus has just raised a little girl from the dead, right? And and it, somehow some way they hear about this and they set in their souls that they're going to go find Jesus and receive healing themselves, right? And he does, he heals them. Immediately they leave and a man who's oppressed by a demonic spirit comes in, who's mute. Jesus casts out the demon and the man can speak, right? The Pharisees try to slow this train down, but they can't. Jesus keeps going all throughout that region, bringing healing and and hope to the people uh, of this region here. We know that healings happen in the Old Testament. And we know that there were some, some healings that happened here even during Jesus' time. But what Matthew was trying to tell the reader is that it's just not happening to the level that it's happening now. As a matter of fact, we've actually never seen or heard or experienced a blind person receiving sight, but it now just happened with Jesus Christ. See, before, people, you could, you could bring someone and be like, hey, we, we heard that you prayed over someone and, and this per, the per, person's fever went away. You know, can you pray over my uncle? Sure, sure, let's pray. Let's see what God does, right? And it was a crapshoot. Maybe the person was healed. Maybe, maybe they weren't, right? But Matthew was saying every single disease, every single illness, every place of desperation, of helplessness that was brought before Jesus Christ, the power of God meets this individual in that moment. Every single time without fail, and so we're in this series, Christ our King, and, and Matthew's saying, people of Israel, here's your King. Here is Christ, your King. Let me ask you, where does a King live, generally? Where does a King live? In a castle, in a palace, right? Surrounded by other people, right? Who, what does a King seek to do? Does a King seek to be served or to serve? To be served, Right? Who doesn't want to be a king eating beautiful, luscious grapes, right? Being fanned by palms from a tree. I don't know, I've seen it in movies before, and this is not personal experience. I've just, you know, just what I've seen in movies, right? As a matter of fact, when it got bad in the Old Testament, after King David, the kings would have more than enough in their own coffers but they were exploiting the nation of Israel, leaving even less for the people to share amongst themselves. But here you have Matthew, and he's, he's just declaring to whoever would read, to whoever would listen, here is Christ your king. You're not going to find him in a palace. He's not hiding behind high towers and, and high walls. He's not hiding behind an army. You know, you're not gonna see all of these people before you can get to the king. No, no, no. He doesn't live there. He lives out amongst the people. Here is Christ, your king. He actually came here to serve and not to be served. Here is Christ, your king. He doesn't charge you for healings. He doesn't charge you for miracles. He gives it to you freely. He's not here to exploit you. Here is Christ, your king, who lives out among the pe- amongst the people, and he sees the suffering, and he sees the pain, and he sees the confusion, and he's here to do something about it. And it's his compassion that leads you forward, because friends, first of all, compassion requires the recognition of suffering. Compassion requires the recognition. Of suffering. This is how compassion gets into us. We need to recognize the suffering that's around us. Here in verse 36, it said that he, being Jesus, had compassion. This word compassion, this Greek word compassion, is actually very different than a similar Greek word back in verse 26. When the blind men come before Jesus and they say, Son of David, have mercy on us. The word compassion and the word mercy, though they're in the same vein, are actually two separate things. You see, the word compassion in verse 36 is actually, metaphorically speaking, I hope you're all ready for this. The, 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 the youth are, if there's a few youth kind of linger in here. Woo. yeah, Jersey, nice. He <laughs> raises hands. This word for compassion is actually to be touched so deeply in your core that it's, it's as if you're having a bowel movement. I'm just putting this out there. This is in the Bible, all right? Like, I, I'm not making this up. You can look it up. Blueletterbible.com.org. It'll, it'll tell you. Blueletterbible.org. Jesus, Jesus saw the suffering and he was so moved. It, t- it touched him deeply in his core that Matthew is trying to say, guys, When we saw his face, when we saw his concern, when we saw what came over him, when he saw the helplessness of people, it was as if someone was touching the most inner part of his being. He had compassion on them. Matthew's communicating that Jesus had a sense of urgency. When you gotta go, you gotta go, right? But Matthew's also saying this was so natural for Jesus. It's a natural part of his life. It's natural for Jesus to have seen the helplessness of other people and to be, to have been moved to do something about their place of pain. When we think about what's happening in our world today, it's really easy to get selfish about me, right? We see what's happening in Ukraine and I'm not even sure what the numbers are at this point. I think maybe you're close to 2 million people or maybe over 2 million people who have left Ukraine, right? More? Four? We're up to four, okay. I was going to check the news this morning, but... So we're up to four now. 4 million people that have now joined the 285 million migrants that are all throughout the world. That's almost the population of the United States of America. It's about 70 million less than the population of America. People on the move in our world. Ukrainians, over 4 million that have can probably never go back home, right? Even if they were to try to go back home, there's not much of a home to go back to. So we see that online, and and, and immediately you're hit with what thought, right? What can I do? This is so big. This is so crazy. I can't believe it's happening to us. I hope that doesn't happen here, right? Like the immediate concern is, I hope it doesn't happen here. I hope it doesn't get to me, right? You know what? I can't handle this. Let's watch some March Madness, shall we? Right? Oh, my bracket was busted, you know? Oh no, this problem in Ukraine is so big. But you know what? That Paul Holiday guy, he is so funny, right? The British Bacon Show. How many of y'all lo- love the British Bacon Show? Come on. Oh, seriously? Y'all are missing out. It's so good. It's inspired me to be a baker, technically, Kobe. Pick whatever it is, but you and I run to those places when the problem out here seems so gargantuous. What's little old me gonna do? And in those moments we say, you know what, it's just a lot easier to shut my heart off from the pain that's around me. Let me just focus my attention over here. Let me control and worry about what I can worry and control And let this thing out here just be, let it be, let it lay what it is. You see, in this moment, Jesus had the same experience, right? When we think that like, oh, well, Jesus is the son of God and he's kind of like not like me, but he's kind of, right? He had the same experience. He sees the suffering that's all around him. And rather than shutting off his heart, turning away, finding some other place to go, man, the people, you know, these people are messed up. Let's go find people that are just not as messed up as these people over here, right? He doesn't do that, right? When when the problem is so big, when the problem is so systemic, he doesn't turn to them and say, you know what, they did this to themselves. Their poor choices put them in this place. If they would have made better choices, then their life wouldn't be so bad. That's not what he says in in the face of suffering, right? In the face of suffering, he doesn't say, you know what, these are such ungodly people. They deserve the evil that's come upon them. That's not what he does. That's not how he responds. What unearths within him. He's so moved to compassion that what he does is he turns to his men and women disciples and says, we need to, there's more people like us. Lives within them for the world around them. Yes, compassion requires a recognition of suffering. And compassion also requires the recognition of power. You see, recognizing suffering isn't enough. Having pity for someone else isn't enough. Compassion demands that power be present. Perhaps some of you know that the plant mawa does worship nights on Wednesday nights. You might know that. You, you might, actually, that, that's where I'm from. Sorry. I saw some familiar phrases and I was like, why do I know this person? It, now I know why. So we have, uh, uh, I've been to a number of them on uh, Wednesday nights. It's been really awesome. One in particular, I see a friend of mine, and she has a limp. She's walking around with a limp, and you know, I, I notice this, and I'm like, "Oh man, I, I wonder what happened." So I, you know, go, "Hey, you okay? Like, what's what's going on? What's up? What's up with the you know little thing you got going on there?" She's like, "You know." I wish I had this great story, Omar. I wish I was like rock climbing and like got caught and I fell and like the rope caught my leg, you know, but I like survived, right? Or, you know, I like kicked a a soccer ball and I scored the winning goal, but you know, that's how I hurt my ankle. She's like, I was walking and I tripped and my ankle hurts. That's what happened, you know? And I'm like, all right, well, you know, whatever. So immediately she changes conversation. She's like, you know, deflecting attention from it. We talk about something else. And I just can't, I can't let go the fact that her ankle is the way that it is, that she's limping the way that it is. So I, when she's done kind of wrapping up her story, I go, hey, can I, can I pray for you? She's like, yeah, 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 I, I'd love that. So she, she sits down on the platform here, and I'm like, is it okay, you know, put my hand on, on your ankle, on your foot? Yeah, 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 that's fine. So we start praying, right? Nothing crazy. I'm not there for like three hours sweating in prayer, right? Like, I just pray, Jesus, heal her, touch her. It might have been that simple. She steps down. And she looks at me like, funny, right? And I'm like, what's, what's up? She's like, she takes a step this way, and she's like, not limping anymore, right? Like, it's, it's like that, like, less limp, like, of like, right? Like, and you're like, oh, what's, what's up? She's like, I, I, the pain's gone. Like, the, like I, my pain was like at a six, and I saw it. She's like, I'm like, what's happening? It's like a one or a two. You know, she turns over to Pastor Rob and, hey, you know, like, Omar praying. And my ankle's feeling better. She's like, it still kind of hurts when I go to the right, you know, a little bit, you know, but, but like a, a, a lot. like, wow. So Pastor Rob's like, do it again. Let's pray again. So I get down, we pray, and she, she pops up again, starts walking, and she's like, like, take turn to, she turns to the right, nothing, turns to the left, nothing, totally healed, totally healed, right? Like, I'm like, all right, this is awesome, right? She's like, I'm gonna take off my ace bandage and just in faith, like, receive that God has healed me. All right, awesome, she takes it off, tosses off to the side, she goes talk to somebody else, I go to talk to somebody else, you know, and, and that's kind of it, you know? Friends, because of what Christ has done on the cross, which we're gonna celebrate in just a few weeks, because of the empty grave, Because our Jesus has been resurrected, has ascended, is sitting at the right hand of the Father, because the Holy Spirit lives in you and in me, the power by which Jesus ministered and healed other people is the same power that lives inside of you. Let me say it again. The same power that, this is biblical, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is a power that lives within you. Amen. Ah, ah. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe that you're not a victim? Amen. Do you believe that you are not powerless, that the power of God lives within you, is accessible to you, is present In you, compassion demands that power be present in our lives. And friends, yes, compassion requires the recognition of suffering. Yes, compassion requires the recognition of power. And when the recognition of suffering and the recognition of power, when those two things come together, you and I become the answer to Jesus' prayer. Let me say it again. When suffering and power, when the recognition of suffering and power, when the recognition, when sympathy and power, when those two things come together, when they meet, when they hug, when they kiss together, you and I become the answer to Jesus's prayer. Bless you. Amen. See, now we have to read the beginning of this passage that we read a little bit differently. As I told you before, that the word compassion and the word mercy, these two things are interconnected. So these two blind men, it wasn't just that they just showed up. Like it wasn't like this is just random, like, oh, this is, this is just random, let's just write this down. This is what they said, we think. No, no, Matthew's saying, these two blind men show up and they say, son of David, have mercy on us. What are they saying? Son of David, look at our suffering. But mercy isn't just, I feel bad, I have pity. Oh, in Spanish, pobrecito, pobrecita, right? Poor him, poor her, right? Like, which is what my grandma would tell me, you know what I mean, when I come in, oh, <laughs> pobrecito, like, get out of here, you know, like, right? That's not what have mercy on me is. It's Jesus, look at my suffering. Jesus, look at my pain. Jesus, do you see me? And he says, yes, I see you. Then he challenges them. Do you believe that I can make you see? Because here's what Jesus, this is what Jesus recognizes. I recognize, Jesus, I have the power to do something about your suffering. Do you recognize that I have the power to do something about your suffering? And they say, yes, we do. Sympathy, power, meat, and healing came. Friends, in our lives, Suffer, sympathy and power must meet together for you and I to become the answer to Jesus' prayer. I was meeting with uh, Joe Chenisi. Y'all know Joe? Anybody know in here know Joe? No, he's one of the elders at the church. He comes up here from time to time. Nicole sings up here, I think, once a month. If I have that incorrect, I apologize. She's up here. I think they're up here what, about once a month. Well, Joe's one of the elders at our church now and um, when, when Joe first came to walk with Jesus, maybe a decade now at this point, me and him were having lunch together. And Joe says to me, hey, we have this buddy together. We have a mutual friend. What am I supposed to do next about like my relationship with him? Like I look at his life and I recognize that he needs Jesus. Like, like man, like our church community could be something beautiful for him. And, and um, you know, man, I, I really wish he would just surrender his life to Christ is what I'm supposed to do, what you and Rob did with me, is that what I'm supposed to do with our mutual buddy? And I'm like, dude, that, that's it. If I, could talk, if, I, if I could tell you what discipleship is, that's discipleship, right? Like, do for you, do for others what's already been done for you. You know, I'm like, bro, you got it. You got it. Joe didn't come up to me and say, hey man, we got this mutual friend. He's super cool, he's really nice. You know, I think if you, Omar, did with him what you did for me, how you walked alongside him for me, then he would be like a follower of Jesus Christ. He didn't do that. He didn't abdicate responsibility. He didn't abdicate power. He didn't abdicate sympathy and say, hey man, you're the pastor. You do it. I got all these other friends. I'm gonna bring them all to you. You handle it, Pastor Omar. No, 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 that's not what happened. Joe also didn't go hey man, I'm so happy that I belong to Jesus now. I'm so happy that I, I'm a part of this family. I really do hope other people kind of tag along and people show up you know, on occasion. That'd be super fun and super great. But um, I'm not gonna worry about it so much because as long as me and my family were covered, we're good. He didn't say that. He didn't respond with an either or. It was a both and. Man, you're a new follower of Jesus Christ, but you have the power of God and the sympathy of God within you to walk alongside your buddy, to see him see the Jesus that has changed your life. And then maybe one day he would receive that same Christ that would change his life as well. Jesus sees the need of all of these people. And he recognizes that him grabbing up a chair and sitting and saying, you can keep coming. Helpless, confused, poor, broken, demonically oppressed, lame, leprosy. Keep coming, keep coming, I'll keep healing. Be healed, be healed, be healed, okay? You guys go and you, you tell other people. And, you, and, and you, y'all bring your friends, right? They're, maybe your friends aren't as half as bad as you guys are. Maybe they're a little bit worse, but, but just bring them. I'll be here in my chair. I'll be sitting in my chair, you keep bringing them, you keep bringing them and I'll, and I'll keep healing it. And those people will go out and it, it'll get more widespread out, right? See, that's how we tend to think of it, right? Jesus, just show up with like a neon sign in the sky. Tell me what to do. Just just keep doing it. We abdicate responsibility. We abdicate power. That's not what he did because that was a distraction to his purpose. That was a distraction to his mission. He sees the suffering and he shares in it. And what was unearthed from him was one prayer and one prayer alone. Men and women, we need other men and women who will share in my sympathy, who will share in my power, who will make tangible the presence and the power of God in their lives. I told you I had good news. When compassion, when the compassion of Jesus flows through our veins, His power becomes tangible to those in need. How come? It's because compassion shares in suffering. It's because compassion recognizes the need for power. And when that sympathy and power meet, you and I become the answer to Jesus' prayers. Friends, this is our gospel motivation. The God of heaven took on flesh and stepped down into our earth He took on our problem. His sympathy and his power met for his power to become tangible in every need that we had. But he left us a great responsibility. Now go do it. You've seen it done. Now go do it. The natural question then for us is this. Where is your heart breaking in your community and neighborhood? Where does the power of God need to show up in the areas of of brokenness where you show up, where you step into? Will you be the person that says, man, I don't get this thing fully. I don't fully understand. These plant people talk some crazy language about power and presence and worship and healing and miracles, but I'm gonna sign up. I'm gonna be one of those men and women. I'm gonna be an answer to the Lord's prayer. I'm gonna be an answer to the cry of Jesus's heart. This was his cry. This wasn't a little prayer. This wasn't God bless my food, bless his food to the nourishment of my body in Jesus' name, amen. This was the cry of his soul when he saw the pain and brokenness of our world. And he says, where are men and women gonna sign up? Bring my sympathy, bring my power, bring the presence of God where I go. Will you sign up for that opportunity? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you did not leave us without power. We thank you, God, that you did not leave us to figure it out on our own. No, Lord you left us your sympathy, and you left us your power, and you left us a calling to ask the Lord for more workers to work in the harvest, God. There's a whole room full of people here, Lord, that you are calling, that you're saying you have my heart, you have my power, now go, go be me in this world. God, would you meet us, Lord? Continue to meet us in our places of desperation. May they be not just a self-fulfilling cry, but God, may it be testimony in our lives that God still shows up. And he can be found in and through our lives. I thank you, Lord, for our plant family. I thank you, God, for what you're doing up here in West Milford. I can remember being up here and and talking to a woman and saying, Wow, that's so great that you guys are doing this up here. This area needs Jesus, this area needs the gospel, this area needs more churches. So send this out, Lord, from here to carry around your sympathy to carry around your power. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.